Here in this space, we're going to uh, turn uh, in God's Word to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me there. Keep them open as we're going to walk through uh, these few verses in, in some detail. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we're going to be reading verses 2 through 5. Uh, if you don't have your Bibles, the words will be on the screen as we follow along together and hear the word of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. This is God's word offered to us in its reading and in its hearing. We together give thanks to the Lord God Almighty. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Gracious and loving God, what an extraordinary gift it is to gather around your word and to hear from you a word of truth, a word of comfort. Lord, I pray that you would uh, speak clearly to us, each of us this day, and meet with us in our time of need. Lord, open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear, our minds that would come to know and understand your word, our hearts that we would feel its power. And then in response, Lord, I ask that you would open our hands, that we would offer grace and comfort to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Earlier this week, I was uh, with a group of pastors, which is always a dangerous thing. Um, and we were in Santa Fe, New Mexico. I'm a part of a cohort of uh, pastors that are pursuing courageous leadership. And the, or, the, uh, the cohort's called the Courageous Leaders Imperative. In Santa Fe, we're, we're on a, a learning journey on location, and one of the things that we did is uh, we went hiking. So now you know that they're speaking my love language, right? So we are hiking in, uh, in, uh, on the, uh, the Bandelier Mesa, 30 minutes outside of Santa Fe, and I've never been there before, and uh, it was Gorgeous. Not only was Santa Fe gorgeous, but the whole region was gorgeous. The aspen trees were turning while we were there. And as the cold front blew through Santa Fe, uh, those aspen-colored leaves were fluttering all around us. It was magnificent. But while we were out at Bandelier, uh, we were encountering uh, one of the most substantial ar archaeological uh, sites in all of the United States. Uh, I had no clue. Uh, Bandelier was uh, the home of the Pueblo people for over a thousand years. A thousand years in one space. And, and it's magnificent because uh, the, the type of, of rock that that mesa is formed out of allows them, even in their Stone Age tools, uh, to carve uh, caves inside of the rock. 
And so the, the, the families would dwell in, t- in the side of the mesa, and, and you would see a small cave where you would be like, that's the kid's room. And then a large cave, this is the, this is the, the master suite, right? And, uh, and, and they had all of these uh, uh, cavettes, they're called, carved in. And there's evidence of, of the thousand years of residing on this mesa, uh, not only in uh, the archaeological evidence of the crops that were grown in New Mexico in, uh, you know, at the turn of, of uh, the first millennium, like, but also in the fact that this stone is so malleable that through the consistent walking of the Pueblo people, there are uh, trenches dug from their feet. And, and as you hike, you're actually hiking in these rock-dug trails. And, and as you walk along, you're beginning to, to grasp how powerful it is that there was a people that lived here for a thousand years. And then you wonder, and the question comes, why did they leave? Now, uh, the, the, the foolish and uh, the foolishly uh, 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 guess, uh, the foolish guess is that the Spanish conquest ran them off. False. The Pueblo people actually left a hundred years before the Spanish arrived in New Mexico. And, and so you have to explore even further. Why did they leave? A thousand years in one place. The answer is that they uh, had a source of sustenance through a water supply that ran dry. And so after a thousand years in one place, it ran dry and the entire people got up and moved. We oftentimes think in terms of scarcity as though the resources that we have are so constrained and limited that at any moment they could run dry. Or maybe we thought in the past that they had run dry. But today's scripture points us to an unlimited resource that is a wellspring available for each of us, if we would but acknowledge it and receive it. You see, when the, the Corinth people received this second letter from Paul, uh, 2 Corinthians, I imagine they received it with some fear and trembling. You see, the way they would receive these letters is it would be, it would be uh, brought by messenger, and then the people would gather around, and then the, the, the letter would be read aloud in front of all the people. It wasn't, it wasn't like you could, you know, receive the letter and read it in private and then decide whether or not you would share it with anyone, all right? Whoever carried the message would read it aloud to all the people. And so if I was one of the people in Corinth and, and, and this letter from Paul was coming, I'd be like, oh no, what's he going to say now? Because if you spend some time in 1 Corinthians, you, you'll know that 1 Corinthians is a letter that has scathing critique of the people of Corinth. I heard a pastor recently refer to uh, Corinth as the worst appointment that any pastor could ever receive. Now, some of you might have been in churches like that in the past that had that reputation. Um, But the Corinthians 
had such uh, discord amongst them, Paul acknowledged it, named it, and, and then gave them the necessary course corrections. And so when the people gather to receive the second letter, they must be thinking, oh my, what is next? And Paul opens with a word of comfort. What a relief must have come over the people. As Paul, who knows how harsh the first letter was, turns to the second letter and opens with comfort. And he reminds the people of who God is. Did you hear that? In, in verse 3, God is the Father of all compassion and God is uh, the God of all comfort. Not some comfort, not a comfort that can temporarily heal, but God is the God of all comfort. Not just your comfort or your comfort or my comfort. God is the God of all comfort. Not just the comfort that you need or you want or you desire or you're looking for, but God is the God of all comfort. This is an unlimited resource available to all of God's people. His comfort is not constrained by any external force. His comfort is always enough because it is all. I love that word. God's all is always enough and his comfort is there for you and for me. And it's not just that God is the God of all comfort, but, but this comfort isn't withheld by God. In, in verse 4, it turns and opens and says that God comforts us in all our troubles. In all our troubles. First, we should hear that word, in. And, and some of us have, have walked in a false narrative, a preconceived notion that, that if we would turn our lives to Christ, all of a sudden, uh, we would have no more suffering. We would have no more trials, no more troubles, no more tribulation. And, and that is not the gospel witness. So when Paul writes here that God comforts us in all our troubles, we could say, Wow, this is a message not that God delivers us from having troubles, but God comforts us in our troubles. In fact, Paul, Paul gets that from the words of Jesus. Jesus is so clear in the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus is teaching his disciples. It's this final uh, uh, monologue teaching that Jesus offers his disciples, knowing that he is about to experience the excruciating pain of the cross, the resurrection, and the ascension. And he has some things to share with them before he goes through that, before he's no longer with them. And so he must teach them. And here's what he says in John 16, 33. Jesus says, I've told you these things, all of this long narrative. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will, not might, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome 
the world. I read this, this, this will language as one of the promises of God. Now, that might be a, a huge step for us to wrap our minds around because we hear of God's promises knowing that, that in Jesus there is life abundant here and now and life eternal in heaven after the second coming and after our death through the resurrection. We hear of the promises of God, of God's faithfulness to the ends of the earth. And we also hear Jesus say that you will have suffering. Now we can relate to that. that that's a truth. Every single one of us has gone through, will go through, and many of us today are going through a great trouble. And in the midst of that great trouble, we wonder how can comfort be manifest? Is it even possible? Because the weight and the burden of our trouble seems all too much to bear. And so we sing a song, It Is Well With My Soul. And I can't tell you how many times I have sung that song. And at the very first moment I hear that refrain, I sing, It Is Well With My Soul. And doubt washes over me. And that first utterance is one with very little conviction at all. But I persist as the song persists because I trust in God's word. And so I repeat, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. And the song rises and the repeat continues and over and over again, I am struck by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that gives me conviction and assurance that what I am saying is possible. Indeed, what I am saying is actually real in me. God is able to comfort us in every single circumstance. It is not by our own strength that we receive comfort. It is a gift from God. God is the God of all comfort, and God comforts us in our troubles. For some of you, you could relate to that experience. This doubt turned curiosity, turned possibility turned assurance. And for some of you, you are still sitting, waiting in that in-between space. And God's word for you today is, He is able. God is saying, I am able. I am the God of all comfort and I have unlimited resources. And I am able. That song builds within me this day and 
it invites each of us to receive his comfort. God is a comfort who has walked with us in things past. God is a God of comfort who walks with us in the things we face today. But we also know that the trials and troubles are yet to come and God's comfort will abound yet there as well. But, but, but to what end? The scripture is so beautifully clear that, that what takes place in this comfort is not to, be, um, not to be self-serving, not to merely miraculously transform our own lives. Lives. I mean, that would be enough, right? Y'all, 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 y'all are thinking to yourselves, Jason, you could just land the plane. That's all I need right now. If I could, if I could just have some of that comfort, uh, that would be the the assurance I was looking for today. And yet, God has more for us in the Scripture. You see, God's comfort has purpose in our lives, not only for our own sake, but also for the transforming transforming purposeful work that he calls us to. In verse 4, it continues on, God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Those of you who walk walk with me for a little while know how much I love so that language in Scripture. You find a so that, you circle it, you highlight it, you underline it, and then you study it because what took place before is being purposefully used moving forward. God is a God of comfort, and God doesn't say, be comforted and then sit back, people of God, and be happy. God says, be comforted, my people, and then go and do something about it with someone else. Know that God is preparing to comfort the world through you. Just as you will have troubles, so the world has troubles. Can I get an amen? Our world has troubles. Our neighbors have troubles. Our communities have troubles. Our nation has troubles. Our world has troubles And God doesn't abandon them. God has comfort for them. And God uses you as a source of comfort for the world. The God of all comfort comforts us in in our troubles so that your lives and my life will be lived on purpose to comfort others. Who do you know in your family, in your community, in your workplace, on one of your kids' sports teams, a student in your community? Who do you know that could use some comfort How can God use you there? How beautiful is that? To know that this purpose for our lives is to pass on the comfort that he's given us. Verse 5 says, For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds in Christ. God sent his son Jesus knowing that he would suffer, knowing that his sufferings 
merely the point of taking on flesh so that, that he would be incarnate among us, was taking on our pain, taking on our illness, taking on our suffering, and taking on our death. As he suffers and his suffering abounds, we can relate to that. and We could say, wow, I know I'm going through a lot. I know that life is incredibly challenging today, but I also know what Jesus went through. And Jesus received comfort from God in that, and his comfort is my comfort. There's something profound in that. We're going we're to look at verse 2 and 3 together. We're going to walk back just a second. Now, this, these two verses uh, have Paul laying out a beautiful theological construct, twofold that's interrelated, and, and it affirms the witness of this uh, purposeful comfort for us today. I, I just have to do it because I think it's so beautiful how God's, uh, God's word establishes such truth for us. In verse 2, we have uh, two things framed up in one lens, and verse 3, they're redirected so that we can understand that both are true. First is Lord, and second is Father, okay? If you have your Bible still, you can take a look at it. First is Lord, and second is Father. Uh, in verse 2, it says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see what, what Paul did there? Pa Paul drew uh, some nuance between the two distinctions to establish that bo both are true. In verse 2, Jesus is the Lord, the Lord of all creation from the beginning to the end, Alpha and Omega, always, everywhere, Lord. It's not dependent on you or me. It's not dependent on anyone's confession or profession of faith. It is entirely woven into the very nature of who Jesus is. Jesus is just Lord. And in verse 3, Jesus is our Lord. You see how beautiful that is that the Lord of, of all creation also uh, wants to be and, and is able to be our personal Lord, that we could have a relationship with the Lord of all creation, and he could be the Lord of our lives. How beautiful that, that we share with Jesus his eternity, uh, his, his provision, and his comfort that the Lord is also our Lord. But watch how Paul also turns the word Father in these two verses. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This Father language is both our Father and the Father of Jesus. And that means that we are co-heirs with Christ. That we are brothers and sisters in Christ, and we share a heavenly Father, which means we have Christ's inheritance. So since Christ receives comfort in all his sufferings from God, we too receive comfort from God in all our sufferings. His inheritance is our inheritance, and this Resource of comfort is unlimited, limitless, enough for your past, your present, and your future, enough for the entire world. 
enough that it could flow uh, in you and through you, be passed on to others. So often we feel like we aren't able to comfort someone else because either their troubles are too great or we are too disabled in our own pain. But God's comfort says more is possible. Just as we are co-heirs with Christ, we receive this all-abundant comfort that is for us and for the world. This week, let's make it our mission to seek out those in need of comfort, those who are in the midst of trouble, and let's reach out to them with comfort. And if we have any in our midst today, in person or online, who are wondering, how is this possible for me? Right now, I'm extending that comfort to you, and I'm calling upon the name of Jesus Christ, and I'm asking, Lord, pour out your comfort on those in need. May all who are walking in trouble know the grace, peace, and comfort of our Lord Jesus Christ because it is enough today and forevermore. Let's pray together. Gracious and loving God, what an extraordinary gift we have, comfort that is endless and boundless and is enough. Lord, I pray that you would fill us with your comfort even in this very moment. That as we are honest and we examine the spaces of pain and turmoil in our lives, Lord, pour out your spirit so that we might know your comfort in this very moment. Lord, we worship you, our God, our Father, the Father of Jesus. And so we call upon your name and ask, ask, O oh God, that you would fill us to overflowing so that we might reach out with comfort to the world, this world that is in need.